This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, fans of Westerns will be smiling tonight. Since we began the week with The Lone Ranger, we wind up the week with another adventure with the Masked Man and his Indian friend Tonto. The Lone Ranger radio program was extremely popular with both children and adults and aired from 1933 to 1956. In fact, surveys at the time indicated that over half of the show's audience was comprised of adults. It was originally broadcast January 31st, 1933 on WXYZ in Detroit, Michigan. The program you'll hear tonight, first broadcast in 1942, is entitled The Devil's Sink. with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Companion Tonto, the masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations. And nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! 
There's trouble on the trail ahead. Hello, Silver! Hi! The ranch house of Jeb Anderson was located in a strangely desolate section of the southwestern desert. To the west, and immediately behind the sprawling cabin of spruce logs, there rose mighty Oro Mountain. It was at the base of this peak that Jeb had tunneled his tiny one-man gold mine. In the east and south, the horizon was guarded by the oddest stretch of wasteland in the world, Devil's Sink. True to its name, Devil's Sink comprised an endless maze of gullies, ravines, spires, and rocky crags, all composed of dull and lifeless volcanic slag. Nothing lived in Devil's Sink, not even hardy mesquite or greasewood. Its barren wilderness seemed to have retained the scorching heat of a million blazing suns, and neither man nor beast ever ventured beyond its outer rim. Living within sight of such desolation didn't disturb Jeb Anderson. He was content to extract gold slowly from his tiny mine in Mount Oro. He smelted the ore by hand, just as the Indians had done thousands of years ago. And each night he added a little more of the shining yellow metal to the store he kept. Jeb was confident that no one else knew of his gold mine in Mount Oro. The people in the nearby town of Kingsford had long ago tagged him as just another solitary rancher. Consequently, he was surprised one night to be roused from his sleep by a loud pounding on the cabin door. Who is it? Open up, you old coot. What do you want? I said open the door. Well, let's cave it in. A little hot lead will fix that lock, Duke. Yeah, why waste it? He'll open up around... Who are you? We're bashful, Grandpa. I hate to tell our names. Come on in, boys. Uh, what? What do you we'll want? Get this over with fast. Where's the gold? I, I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. Get behind him, Spider. Yeah, okay. And if you don't talk fast, lay your gun barrel alongside that bald head of his. All right, Anderson. Where's the gold? I have no gold. You're lying. We've been watching you mine that hole in the hill for the past six months. Oh, really? I'll gab all night, Duke. Maybe. It'd be easier to fan this layout and find out for ourselves. Please, I... Sure, I, Duke, what are we stalling for? You're gonna talk, Anderson? No, 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 I can't tell you. Let him have it, Spider. Sure. <coughs> now let's scrape this place from one end to the other. Yeah, yeah. Spider, look at those doors over there. I'll take this. Here it is, Duke. Here it is. Look at this. Jumping, Jehoshaphat's. Real gold. Nuggets must be 10,000 there. If it ain't worth twice that, I'll eat it. Come on, Pete. Pick up the sack and let's hightail it. How about the old man? He's still alive. Pete, that can over there. What's in it? Smells like coal oil. Dump it. Be sure you get plenty on the walls and floor. I got you. A match, Duke? I've got one. Come on. This place will be hotter and double sink in about two minutes. Now give me that sack. I'll pack it. Here, it's kind of your Bronx boy. Uh, I don't think I hit the old coot hard enough to finish him, Duke. Yeah. And maybe the job's not done yet. Hand me your carbine, Spider. With heat like that, it'll either fry or pop out of there. Help me. He's still alive. But not for long. Here he comes, Duke. See the front door. I see him. That got him. Come on, boys. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. On the following morning, just as the sun peeped over the top of Mount Oro, 
Two horsemen rode into the clearing that surrounded the blackened ruins of what had been Jeb Anderson's cabin. A quick glance told the entire story. A dead man lay sprawled grotesquely on the ground as though he had been killed while running. The horseman reined up sharply. Oh, who's who's gone? The lone ranger wearing a disguise beneath his mask and his faithful Indian companion, Tonto. Steady, big fella. This looks like murder, Tonto. Uh Somebody fired the house, then shot this man when he tried to escape. Plenty hoof marks on ground. Mean three, maybe four horse. Yes, and... Here, look. Deep cut on his head. No, that wasn't made by a bullet. It must have been a fight. Uh, we only knew how... Try, you fellas! What the... Behind. And don't make any funny moves unless you want a slug in your back. Don't move, Tonto. You've got mask on. They might... You forget, Kimosabe. I've got a disguise on. All right. Turn around. And keep your paws up. A masked man. And an engine. If you don't mind my saying so, son, that gun's almost as big as you are. Outlaws. Then it must have been you, you two. We just rode up here a few minutes ago. I don't care when you got here or who you are. I'm afoot and I need your horse. I'm taking it. Oh, you are? Well, there are two of them. Which one do you want? The stallion or the paint? What's the difference? Quite a bit. Now, look over there. Now, uh, which do you want? Why, I guess... Oh, my hand! You're not hurt, son. All I did was shoot your gun away. If you're going to hold someone up, you should remember to keep your eye on him. All right. You whip me with your draw. Now what? What's your name? I'm Jimmy Hightower. I got here at sunup. I saw that somebody had killed Uncle Jeb, fired his house. Is that dead man over there your uncle? Yeah. Go on. I was bringing back Uncle Jeb's sorrel pony. I borrowed it about a month ago. Where's the horse now? He ran off while I was looking over the house. That's why I needed one of yours. Needed it bad enough to steal. Is that it? No, I'm already down for horse stealing. One more wouldn't make any difference. Aren't you uh, pretty young to be a horse thief? Well, you don't have to rub it in. Just because you happen to get in a lucky shot. <laughs> well, you think that shot that knocked your gun away was lucky, huh? It couldn't have been anything else. Now look, Jimmy. See that stone well over there? Yeah. See the tin can on the ground about ten feet this side of it? Yeah. Five bullets can put that tin can into the well. But the wall around that cistern's almost three feet high. Hey, watch. Golly... Say, that's the best shooting I ever saw. I'll bet even Duke Bandy couldn't do better than that. Uh, who's Duke Bandy? Well, I thought everybody knew about him. He's the best gunfighter in this whole country. Oh, is that right? See, you've heard of the Lone Ranger, haven't you? Seems that I have. Well, he's supposed to be pretty fast with a pair of six guns, but Duke Bandy's a lot faster. At least that's what everybody says. Oh, I'd uh, like to meet Mr. Bandy. Uh, he's got a gang that holds up over in Devil's Sink. That's why the law can't catch him. You know quite a bit about outlaws, don't you? I guess it's because I'm one myself. You? And so are you. You wouldn't be wearing that mask. Maybe. You see, uh, well, this horse I was bringing back to Uncle Jeb, I, I didn't really borrow it from him. I swiped it. But you were bringing it back. Well, that didn't make any difference to my dad. He said I was a horse thief. And he's sheriff of this county. We live over in Kingsford. Uh, I mean, he does. I'm not going back. Why? Oh, he'd never believe that Cayuse Uncle Jeb's ran away. He'd think I sold the critter and put the money in my pocket. I don't think he'd be that tough on you. Yeah, well, you don't know my dad. He's half Indian. I'm quarter Indian. That's one reason I'm glad I'm getting away. Most of the Indians I know are proud of it. My best friend's an Indian. Oh, it's all right for you to say that, but... Look! Otto. Uh -huh. Those men coming up the draw. Can you see how many? Uh -huh. Six, maybe seven. Them right hard. It's my dad with a posse, and it's me he's after. You better get out of here fast if you I don't... I think uh, we'll wait. Oh, 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 oh. 
This way, we heard the shots. Look yonder, Sheriff. Yeah. Anderson's house plumb fired out, and there's Jeb on the ground. I see it. I've got my own ideas. I don't play any favors, Jimmy. First it was horse stealing. Now you're tied in on a murder. A murder of your own Uncle Jeb. I didn't kill Uncle Jeb. I just got here at sunup. I was bringing back his pony like you told me to. Where is it? It ran away. So you've added line to your other crimes. I think he's telling the truth, Sheriff. I believe him. My Indian friend and I got here just a few minutes after he did. I'm not likely to take the word of a masked outlaw that I've caught red-handed. Eat it. Yes, Sheriff. Take the guns away from these men. Put them on the horses. Sure. You're loco, Dad. These fellows didn't have anything to do with it. Outlaws. So are you. It's a good thing your mother didn't live to see you like this. But, Dad, if... And some of you men stay here to take care of Barry and Jeff Anderson. Peters, got those two hombres ready? All set, Sheriff. You lead off. I'll trade you. Come on, Jimmy. You ride double with me. Uh, Dad, you're making a mistake. Shut up. You can do all your talking to Judge Crawford. All right, Peters. Head for town. Ranger, Toto, and young Jimmy Hightower found that justice moved swiftly in the little town of Kingsford. On the following morning, they appeared before Judge Crawford. And so, after considering all the evidence, I've arrived at a fair and just verdict. Jimmy Hightower, for your crime of horse stealing, I sentence you to five years in the territorial prison. Quiet, quiet in the court, quiet. And, uh, as far as this critter wearing a mask is concerned, and the Indian with him, the evidence proves them both guilty of murder and robbery. It is the sentence of this court that tomorrow morning at sunrise, they shall be hung by their necks until they're dead. Yeah. Guess that'll hold all three of you hombres until tomorrow morning. Yes, I'm sure it will. Uh, when do we eat? Not till supper time. That'll be your last meal. In the meantime, you can listen to what's going on outside. You hear it? What's that? Building a scaffold. The one you and the redskin are going to swing on. Nice sound, ain't it? <laughs> Gee... I got you into this. Now, listen, mess. Jimmy. Have you any idea who really killed your Uncle Jeb and robbed his house? I don't know, but I'd bet anything it was Duke Bandy's gang. Where can we find them? We can't, even if we were out of here. They hole up in Devil's Sink. I see. Hello. Give me that rawhide belt of yours. Uh-huh. I want to make a slingshot. Yeah. <clears throat> there. Good. Now, Jimmy, scrape around here on the floor and find me a good-sized stone. Slingshot? Stone? Are you local? Hello. When that deputy brings our supper tonight, he'll probably make us stand at the back of the cell so we can't jump him. I want you to stand directly in front of me. Uh. Then when I yell, you duck so I can use the slingshot. Mister, you're really loco if you think you can get out of here with a slingshot. Jimmy, do you hear that hammering outside? Sure, but... No chance is too great to keep from hanging at the end of one of those ropes. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
Now to continue our story. All day long, the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Jimmy Hightower waited in their jail cell and listened to the ominous thud of hammers that were completing the jail yard gallows. Finally, just at sundown, the hammering ceased, and they knew that the scaffold was finished. Within a few hours, the masked man and his Indian friend would be blindfolded and led up 13 steps. Then ropes would be placed around their necks, and death would come swiftly and without mercy. Their only hope was a crude slingshot the Lone Ranger had fashioned from a rawhide belt. It isn't fair. All you did was to stop and talk to me, and now you're going to die. If my dad was anything but a dumb Indian... It isn't your fault, Jimmy, or your father's either. He did exactly what he thought was right. Suppose he did. That doesn't help now. It might. Remember what I told you, Toto. Stand in front of me. Uh, me do it. Here he comes. Be ready. Well, you armies don't look as chipper as you did this morning. How did you expect us to look? Uh, you outlaws are all alike, smart and nervy. The rope will take that out of you. Maybe. Now get back there to the other end of the cell. I ain't taking any chances. Get back. I'm not going to give you any chance to jump me. I'm wise to those tricks. Now set your grub down here. When I close the door, you can come up and get it. Now, if you just the come... Cuddle. What the... Oh! You did it! You beat him with that rock from your slingshot. He's not hurt, but we'll have to hurry. I'm going to take these handcuffs. I have a plan I'm sure will work. Now, come on. Finding their horses tied behind the jail, the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Jimmy Hightower made good their escape and rode hard for many miles. Finally, they reached the forbidding rim of Devil's Sink. There, the masked man called a halt. We'll rest here until sunrise. That is, Jimmy and I will. Tonto, I want you to ride east. Take an important message. Ah, uh, where may take it? Come here. If the moonlight's strong enough so I can see to right. Yes, I'm sure he'll be able to read this. Uh. Where town to go? The governor of the territory. Uh, you know where he is? Yeah. Uh, here, I'll read the message to you so you'll know how important it is. Territorial governor, dear sir, Jimmy Hightower, convicted of horse stealing, sentenced five years. Deserves pardon. Please send it to Kingsford by messenger who bears this note. Uh, I've signed my name. Will the governor do what you ask him? I don't know, Tonto. I hope so. He's helped me in the past. Maybe he will again. Uh, what you do now? Find Duke Bandy. He's probably the one who murdered Jimmy's uncle. Maybe better Tonto stay here and help. No, clearing Jimmy's name is just as important as clearing our own. Technically, he did steal his uncle's horse. He's been convicted. We need that pardon. Ah, Tonto, go. Get him up, scout. All right, Silver. Where'd Tonto go? Do a mighty important job. He'll meet us later. Steady, big fella. And you and me are going to wait here till sunup? There's no use trying to find our way through Devil's Sink in the dark. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, now, what about those handcuffs? I think these handcuffs may help us locate Bandy's gang. Help us? What do you mean? Now, wait, Jimmy. We can't do anything till sunrise. Cuffs on, Jimmy? Yes, sir. Now what do we do? We haven't the slightest idea where Bandy's hideout is. So if we can't find him, let him find us. What do you... Yeah, like this. Do you understand? Oh, sure. (coughs) (coughs) Do you hear any signs of anyone? (coughs) Nary a sign yet. (coughs) Hey, what are you two hombres trying to do? Get your hands up. These chains won't stop me from using a gun. Masked. Now, wait a minute, stranger, and take it easy. 
I spied you from across the ridge. Saw what you're doing. What's it to you? Yeah, spying on us. If we thought you were a lawman, we'd... But I ain't. In fact, I'm just the opposite. You might call me the same breed as you two. Yeah? Sure. No need of us showing our teeth at each other. Come along with me and I'll get them irons off you. Who are you? My handle's Pete Letterman. Never heard of you. You can't trust these Jaspers in this neck of the woods. You've heard of Duke de Bandy, ain't you? What of it? Well, I'm a part of his. We got a little cabin down on the floor of this sink. I know Duke'd like to meet you, gents. You could get them cuffs off, too. Well, I, uh... What do you say, kid? Well, might as well take a chance. But if this hombre tries any tricks, we'll plug him. All right. Lead the way to your cabin. The kid now walk our horses and follow you. Sure. Come on. It took a good half hour for the little cavalcade to reach the bottom of Devil's Sink. The pathway was full of loops, turns, and switchbacks. Finally, they came in sight of a well-concealed little cabin that was built close to a subterranean spring. This was the secret of Duke Bandy's hideout. He had discovered water in the wilderness. He could live in the wasteland in which other men died of thirst. As they approached the cabin, a small man with thick black hair and close-set eyes stepped out of the door. Hey, Duke. What's the idea? You won't need the shooting iron, Duke. These gents are friends. Yeah? Who says so? Look, I found them up on the rim trying to knock their bracelets off. Best man. Who are you? I'm not used to names. Numbers are better. Oh, jailbird, huh? Who's the button? Just call him the kid. Well, I'll figure that out for myself. Let me see those cuffs you two are wearing. Come here. Ever wear any yourself, Duke? Oh. Oh, guess it's all right. Well, you might be lawman using them braces a trick to sneak in here. No, I never thought of that. Where'd you bust out of? Kingsford. We were in for murder. Yeah? Who'd you beef? Nobody. But the law figured we'd kill the gent over by Mount Oro. Mount Oro? Was the cabin burnt? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what's so funny? <laughs> you showing up here after being nailed for that job. <laughs> that was ours. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> we grabbed all of that old coot's gold and drilled him when his house got too hot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess you hombres are all right. <laughs> Just unlucky, that's all. <laughs> Get a chisel and knock off the hardware, Pete. <laughs> sure, Duke. Got it right here. Hold him on this stump. There, that does it. Thanks. Come here, kid. Just uh, the two of you here? No. Spider's running up the horses. He'll be back pretty soon. We got a job on tonight. Job? Where? Place you just left. Kingsford. What's in Kingsford? Uh, Not much. Bank, express office. Most of all, a sheriff. Sheriff? Yeah, an engine sheriff that I don't like. Tonight I'm going to tell him about it. With lead. You mean that... I'm going to riddle that dumb redskin before he knows what's going on. You gents might as well come along. The more, the better. Yeah, sure. Uh, by the way, stranger, that's a nice set of peacemakers you got in those holsters. Let me see one of them. My guns? Uh, sure. <laughs> see, they're real fancy, ain't they? But they got good action. Uh, how do they break? Yeah, slick as a whistle. These bullets, uh... Oh, I see. What's the matter? Put up your hands, you double-cross and low down. Duke, what's wrong? You almost fooled me, too. 
I should have known when I first saw you wearing a mask. But it didn't catch on till I saw the silver bullets. So you were going to get in here and pull some of your lawman tricks, huh? Lawman? Who is this critter? He's the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger? So this is the critter. Let him have it, dude. No. Well, wait till we get back from Kingsford. But how are we going to Get the stakes and some rope. We'll tie them both out in the sun. After about 10 hours, that 150-degree sun, there uh, won't be enough left to plunge. Sure, Duke. I'll get the ropes and stakes. The Lone Ranger. <laughs> well, mister, this is one time you run up against somebody smarter than you are. I'd like to see you about uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon, staked out in the middle of the sink. Duke Bandy proceeded with his murderous plan. The Lone Ranger and Jimmy were tied to large stakes face up toward the blazing desert sun. And as the long hours wore on, the torture was almost unbearable. I, I don't think I can stand this much longer. It's tough, Jimmy, but we've got to stand it. We've got to get out of here some way and warn your father. You know, I've been thinking the only reason a kid like me can't stand this is because well, I'm part Indian. And Indians are tough. I'm proud I'm an Indian. Sure, sure you are. And another thing, Jimmy, I... What? Listen, thunder. Yeah, thunder. And that means rain instead of the scorching sun. More than that, if it rains hard, the ground will be soaked. It'll be soaked enough so we can pull up these stakes. Yeah. Keep hoping, Jimmy. Within a half hour after the rain began to fall, the Lone Ranger and Jimmy Hightower had freed themselves from the stakes and were astride their horses that the outlaws were unable to catch. Duke and his gang have a head start. I know a shortcut. Lead the way, Jimmy. Ride for all you're worth. Get up, boy! Come on, Silver! We made it! There's no sign of Duke and his gang yet. Right straight to your father's house. It's right here. Ho! 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 There's Duke now. Easy. Quick, we've got to warn your father. Into the house. Uh, Dad! Dad! Jimmy! And the mask, man. Quick, Sheriff. Duke and his men are almost here. Got your rifle. You're an escaped prisoner, man. You tell him, Jimmy. Well, you see, Dad? Never mind explaining. If it's Duke's card, I've got some shooting to do. Sheriff, we got your outnumbered. Never mind, I'll get him. Oh, my arm! I think I got one of them. Hold your fire! I'm through! Oh, my don't shoot! Keep your hands up and walk this way. Morning, Sheriff. We didn't know it was you. We thought it was... The Lone Ranger and the kid. Here! It is a surprise, isn't it, Duke? I thought you too. Sheriff, these are the men who killed and robbed Anderson. They boasted about it to Jimmy and me. They're guilty, all right. I can see it in the faces. I guess we'll have use for that new gallows after all. Jed, what's going on here? Yeah, hello, Judge. I'm just arresting the real killers of Jeb Anderson. One of them is dead. These are the other two. But uh, I, I thought that... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, letter to Sheriff. Here. Come on, Sheriff, read it. I think I know what it says. Sheriff, convicting this masked man, the Indian, of murder may have been a mistake. But your son, Jimmy, is still guilty of horse-stealing. And he's got no right to be out of jail. Now, Get now, I think... Judge. Read this. Glasses. Wait, you know I can't read without my glasses. What does it say? A full pardon for Jimmy. It is signed by the governor. The, the governor? What, what, I, what, I, I, I'm I, proud of you, son. Well, not half as proud as, as I am of you, Dad. I wanted to... 
Hey, where'd he go? He, he and Taro, they've disappeared. Who, Shen? Who do you mean? The best friend we'll ever have. The Lone Ranger. just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry to wear the cloak of The Great Gildersleeve and the episode New Bed for Marjorie. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> time from Hollywood, California, Kraft presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. And now let's visit our friend, the Great Gildersleeve who is about to visit a local furniture store in search of a new bed as a surprise gift for his niece, Marjorie. Now, I like that pink canopy bed in the window, Leroy. How about buying that one for Marjorie? Oh, no. Who'd help her put the top down on nice nights? Yes. Leroy, that isn't a convertible bed. Uh, let's go in. I know the owner of this store. If it ain't my old friend, Chuck Morton P. Gildersleeve. Hello, Steinberg. Yes, Slepperman. My, my, you're a sight for good eyes. Yes. Why, you're the very motion picture of hell. In fact, a double feature. Yes. And don't tell me this is little Theodore. I won't. This is little Leroy. My, my, how you've jumped up. 
Why, well, I remember when I used to bounce you on my knees, Sonny boy. Yes, in about one more year, he'll be able to return the favor, Slepperman. <laughs> Guilty, my pal. You took the words right out of my bridge work. Yes. <laughs> well, let's not stand around on our ceremonies. Will you have a chair? Or were you thinking of buying a Davenport? Well, we... We were interested in bed. Something in a little uh, slumber number. <laughs> oh, Hachipati. Just follow me, please. Uh, okay. Hank, what's the name of this chair that the man is sleeping in? Uh, that's a Morris chair. Oh, hello, Morris. Hello, la, la, la. Slepperman's kid brother. He's 40 years old and still a problem child. Hey, what kind of a clock is this, Unc? Uh, that's a grandfather's clock, Leroy. And don't open it. There are no grandfathers inside. Well, here we are. I'm telling you confidentially, Trucky, when it comes to sleeping furniture, this store is wide awake. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> Leroy, quit jumping up and down on that bed. Ah, leave him to be guilty. Let the boy have fun. All right, so he's, suppose he does break a couple of springs. So I'll put it on your bill. Yeah. <laughs> Young man, come down from there. Oh, Cancel Mort, I was only making a test hop. Yes. <laughs> what a kitty, huh? He's a regular Mickey Looney. Mickey Looney. <laughs> Guilty? What kind of a bed would you like to buy if I'm not taking too much priority? Yes. <laughs> it's for Marjorie, you know, Leroy's sister. She's away at a Red Cross training school, and Leroy and I thought we'd surprise her by fixing up her bedroom. What an uncle. An angel without wings. Yeah, I was grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had an uncle like you got, Leroy. Uh, Leroy, Mr. Slepperman is talking. Leroy, where are you? Oh, young man, come out of that grandfather's clock. Okay. See, that makes a keen place for hiding. Go ahead, Leroy. Keep it up. I know another keen place for hiding. <laughs> Don't be too harsh on the boy, Trocky. Remember, you were a pickaninny once yourself. Yes. Look, Sam, do you want me to make up my mind about that bed now, or would you rather have me sleep on it? Okay. How about this creation in solid mahogany with a waterfall design? It's very excruciating. Yeah. I don't know. It looks a little uh, too stodgy. Stodgy is the latest trend. Yeah. Hey, why don't you buy this dandy double-decked bunk bed for Marjorie, Unc? No, my boy. What we want is something dainty and feminine, like, uh, say, that pink canopy model in the window. Ah, now you're talking with gas. Well, what's cooking with the bed? <laughs> come on, come on. We can step into the window and give it a closer inspection. Yeah, come on, Leroy. Get away from that folding bed before it traps you. Coming, Uncle Mort. Right up here, Guilty. Careful passing that statue. Inhale. Thank you. Yeah. And look at that bed. Beautiful, ain't it? Uh, I'm telling you, this is a bed of roses. It is? Yes. And it's her own exclusive design. Yeah, whose? My daughter, Rose's. Yeah. <laughs> well, she certainly did a splendid job. Is it as comfortable as it looks? Then just try it. Lay right down. Go ahead. Take a sample snooze. Yeah, I will, Sam. Ah, uh, yes. Feels very soft. <laughs> you see, you float around like you're 99% pure. <laughs> and why not? It's got a deep sleep mattress, and it's got a double box springs. And I know something else it's got, Unc. Yeah? What's that, Leroy? It's got half the people in town staring in the window at you, too. What? Oh, yeah, come on. Let's get out of here. Silly thing for me to do. Say, Sam, how much is that bed? Well, just the way it stands with that beautiful speed match uh -huh. spread, I'm asking, uh, and it cost me, uh, but I'll let you have it for... One price, $120. $120, eh? Well, I wasn't figuring on spending quite that much, but... Hmm. 
<laughs> See, uh, how much will you give me in fade for Marjorie's present bed? Well, it's pretty old. How do you know? You haven't seen it. Well, I have a very vivid imagination. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. Well, it must be mm, 50 years old. <laughs> 50? Why, Leroy, it's at least 150. A very graceful four-poster, Slepperman. Really an antique. I'm sorry, but what you people call antiques is by me strictly second-hand. But this is really better than second-hand. Yeah, it must be sixth or seventh-hand. Yep. Leroy, you get back in the grandfather's clock. Now, Sam, I'll let you in on a little secret. According to an unconfirmed rumor, that bed was slept in by George Washington. Recently? Huh? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Gildy. Suppose you make me a price for that old bed. Uh, Fine. Now, let me see. Uh, How about $20? $20? You're a hard man, Gildingsleeve. Hard? Why, that's pretty soft for you. Well, it's a deal. Shake. And now that it's set... I don't mind saying that I would have gone as high as $25. Oh, you would, eh? Well, I don't mind confessing, Sammy, old kid, that I would have taken as low as $10. (laughs) Uh, Hello? No, Marjorie's out of town. I'll tell her you called. Who is this? Uh, John? Uh, Which John? Oh, you must be a new John, yes. Yeah. Goodbye, John Lewis. Oh, Bertie. Come as quick as I can. Yes, Mr. Gilfield. Uh, which is today's stack of messages for Marjorie? The little one, the big, thick pile from yesterday. I never saw anything like it. That phone is busier than a burglar in a blackout. Everybody wants Marjorie. Yes, and it's worse when I'm here all alone. Hardly no time to do the cleaning or the cooking. I'm busy with my social secretary. Yeah. There's only one thing I hope. What's that, Bertie? That Miss Marge will be able to read all my writing on them messages. Why? Because I can't. Yes. <laughs> Nevertheless, you take care of the rest of them, Bertie. I want to see if those furniture men have the new bed set up yet. Uh, hello, men. I see you've removed the old bed and have the new one all put together already. Oh, yeah. Uh, Morris is testing it now. How is it, Morris? <sighs> see? It's okay. Uh, come on, Morris. Oh, look at him in the arms of Orpheus. It, you mean Morpheus. Orpheus is the music god. Now, if that's music, well... Morris but... Schlepperman, get up. I know what'll wake him. Hey, Morris, time to go to bed. Uh, it is... I'm coming, friend. Wait for me. That Morris should hibernate for the winter. Say, doesn't that bed look grand? Oh, Bertie, come on in here. Call me, Mr. Gill, please. Well, ain't that the cutest looking little bed? Yeah. I can hardly wait to see Miss Marge climb in and hit the hay. This bed costs $120, Bertie, and that ain't hay. <laughs> oh, you better see who's at the door, Bertie. Yes, if it ain't one thing, it's the same thing. <laughs> Throw that bedspread across, Leroy, so we can get an idea of how it looks made up. Okay. That's it, thanks. Why, it's as pretty as a new $20 bill. As six $20 bills. There's a Miss Van Scudder to see you, Mr. Gilsley. Uh, Van Scudder? I wonder who that can be. Well, I better go see. Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, yes? I'm Patricia Van Scudder, the interior decorator. I'm to redo Marjorie's bedroom. Uh, Already? Why, Leroy and I just finished a redo job five minutes ago. Oh, there must be some mistake. I received a letter from Marjorie yesterday asking me to decorate her room. Oh, I see. Well, Marjorie didn't know about our little effort. It was to be a surprise. (laughs) Well, if it's anything like the usual man's idea of a girl's room, it's probably more of a shock than a surprise. (laughs) Um, Hadn't we better look at the room in question now? Oh, yes, of course. Excuse me. Uh, This way, Miss Van Scudder. (laughs) 
Yeah, right in here. No, no, this is my nephew, Leroy. Leroy, this is Miss Van Scudder. Hello, how do you do? Well, I'm genuinely surprised. Uh-huh. Why, this is a charming, charming room. Oh, you like it? Yes. Why, I can hardly believe you two did this. It's really quite lovely. Well, all we did was some quiet. Be quiet, Leroy. Let's hear Miss Van Scudder. Really, I'd leave it just as it is, except for one thing. And what's that? The bed. (laughs) But that's the only thing... Uh, Leroy, please. (laughs) What did you say, Miss Van Scudder? The bed. Uh, Wrong? Oh, but definitely. The color clashes with everything else. (laughs) And the style. Oh, that... Style. Yeah, some style, isn't it? Oh, yes, quite horrible. Now, see here, Miss Van Scooter. Why, why, to put it in this room is almost as bad as mixing empire with Rococo. Uh, Hey, what's empire and Rococo? Shh, I think they're a couple of racetracks. (laughs) I see. Uh, Then you don't think that Marjorie would like the bed, eh? I know she wouldn't be happy in this overgrown bassinet. Who's a... Oh, she wouldn't, eh? No. However, I'd be happy to go out and find you the proper bed for this room. You would? Well, maybe that would solve our little problem. Well, I'll be glad to. Meanwhile, get rid of this pink atrocity, won't you? You're, uh, you're still sure it won't do it? Oh, dear, no. Oh. Why, I'd just as soon put Heppelwhite next to Chippendale. Oh, we couldn't do that, could we? Why not, Uncle? They don't speak. Oh. <laughs> well, well, I must be going now. Don't trouble to show me to the door. Goodbye. Yeah, Goodbye. Oh, our pretty pink bed, Leroy. Now I'll have to send it back. Too bad, Uncle Mort. Yes. Strange how many things there are in this world you could enjoy. Only the experts didn't tell you they're no good. Hey, Morris, wake up and help me. Here comes your brother. You who? Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, Sam. At least you could open your eyes, Morris. It's bad enough to have a pill for our brother, but I got to have one that's a sleeping pill. <laughs> What's this bed you're selling up, Frank? It's the one we brought back from Miss Gildersleeve's house yesterday. Oh, yes. Be very careful with it. There's a rumor around that Washington slept in it. However, as of today, the rumor hasn't been verified. Oh, excuse me, sir, but I was looking for something in a bed. Uh, pillows, blankets, or sheets? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't understand. I want a bed for a young lady's room. Something colonial, shall we say? Sure. Let's say colonial. Colonial. <laughs> now, if you'll just follow me, Junior Miss. Oh, oh, but one moment, please. What about this one that the men are putting together? Oh, that? <laughs> oh, don't give it a second thought. It's too old. It is? How old? Uh, 150, 200. Who knows? Now, if you want to see some up-to-date, fresh-from-the-factory colonial beds, I'm the man who's got them. Oh, no, never mind. This one is just the thing. Imagine a four-poster in such excellent condition. And a Duncan Fife at that. Uh, please, don't rush me. Remember, this is a genuine age in the wood Drunken Fife. <laughs> now, uh, let me see. Mm, $30. But I'm sure that I can use it at that price. I know just the spot where that bed will be right at home. Suppose you send it to my shop on approval. I'm Patricia Van Scudder, dealer in period furniture. I'm pleased to meet you. I'm Samuel Slapperman, dealer in furniture, period. Here's a telegram from Miss Marsh. Uh, are you sure? It must be. It came collect. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll soon see. 
Oh, oh Leroy. Uh, telegram for Marjorie. Yes? What did she say, huh? Uh, regarding redecoration, before you dispose of old beds, be sure to unscrew the left front knob and fish out my string of pearls. What does she mean, Leroy? Oh, I remember. She sometimes uses the hollow bedpost as a kind of secret jewel box. Where are you going, Uncle Mort? In the Marjorie's room to unscrew the old great Caesar's ghost. That was the bed we traded in at Schlepperman's. Getting those pearls out of the bed in Schlepperman's is a job that requires tact and delicacy. You're right, Uncle Mort. You wait here and I'll go in by myself. Wait a minute, young man. I'm going to do this job myself. If you care to, you can come along and uh, whistle if you see anybody coming. Okay. Any particular tune you want me to whistle? Well, no. I I can just, uh, well... Well, hello, Stranza. Hello, Leroy. Coming back for another bed? Hello, Slepperman. Uh, no, Leroy and I are just out window shopping. Oh, of course. What kind do you want? Plate glass, stained glass, or, or plate glass? Yes. <laughs> you don't understand. Leroy and I just want to look around. You don't mind our browsing, I hope? Oh, no. I do a lot of that myself. You should see me browsing over a herring. Yes. <laughs> Somehow, I suppose I'll show you around. Oh, no, no, no. Don't trouble yourself. Ah, trouble, he says. Why, my time is your time. What's your time? 11.30. I, I mean, we can look around by ourselves. Oh, uh, let me show you. Yeah. Say, you might miss some of the little gems that are hidden around this store. Uh, quiet, Leroy. I wasn't going to say anything, Uncle. Uh, oh, oh, yes. But really, Sam, don't bother to come along. We'll feel uh, freer to... Uh... To help ourselves. Yes, that's it. We may dig out something we consider valuable if we're left alone. Yeah, at least we hope so. Yeah. All right. And if you find what you want, SOS me PDQ. And I'll be there in a flash for the cash. Yes. Flash for the cash. Come on, Leroy. Yeah. Are we out of sight? Yeah. Can you see it, Unc? Well, here's a four-poster. But the knobs and the posts are solid. Here are some more, Unc. Good. I'll be as quiet as a little... Oh, quiet. Oh, oh, that's me. <laughs> Say, how about this one? No, Leroy, leave it alone. This isn't Marjorie's bed. It's the wrong color and it hasn't any posts. And besides, Morris is sleeping in it. There's Mr. Schlepperman coming this way. Good. Maybe I can pump him about it, huh? Oh, my eyes are smiling. Oh, there you are. Yes, here we are. Uh, by the way, uh, Sam, you remember that old bed of Marjorie's you took in trade? Sure. What about it? Well, I was just wondering what had become of it. Not that I was looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Why, that bed sold like a hot cake. What? You sold it? What? You want it back? You... Well, sort of. I... I got to thinking about it, Sam. You know, it was really Marjorie's. Yeah, and she put a lot of value in that bed. Uh, I didn't realize it myself until just recently. In fact, I never should have traded it into you. Well, if that's the case, maybe I can get it back for you. You can? How? The lady who bought it took it away on approval. Huh? Possibly if I go to her before she makes up her mind and somehow or the other raise the price, she might turn the bed down. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll see that you don't lose on the deal, Sam. I know you can put it across. You do? I wish I did. Yeah. Do you want me to come along and help you? No, I think you might complicate the situation. You know, Trucky, in negotiations for antiques, it needs the cool, experienced head of an old hand with a near to the ground to put the best foot forward. Yeah. Well, hello, Mr. Slepperman. Come here. What can I do for you? Ah, this is just a post driver's holiday, whatever it is, of course. 
Now that I'm here, I might as well inquire if you want to keep that bed you took on approval. Well, the young lady I'm buying it for is still out of town. Well, I've got a buyer who wants that bed right now. In fact, he says he'll pay up to um, $40 for it. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I hate to be pressing you, but could you give me a quick yes or no? Wait, I think I can get an answer for you right away. Excuse me, won't you? But certainly not. Marjorie, this is Patricia Van Scudder, Mr. Gildersleeve, and I have the nicest news for you. Yes? I found just the bed for Marjorie's room. Well, isn't that nice? Yes. Wait till you see it. You'll be speechless. Well, I bet I'll find something to say. <laughs> now, the only thing is this. How much are you willing to pay? Uh, pay? Oh, anywhere up to 50, 60, even 75, if you think it's worth it. Oh, thank you. That's all I wanted to know. Goodbye. Well, Mr. Schlepperman, I think we can do business. My client will pay more than that $40 offer you had. Is that a fact? Mm-hmm. Pardon me, uh, could you be so kindly as to let me use your telephone? Oh, surely. Go right ahead. It's in my office there. Thank you. I'll be back instantaneously. <laughs> yep. Who is it now? Hello, Trucky. This is Slepperman. I've located that bed of Marjorie. Uh, you have? Good. But there has developed complications. Oh, what's the trouble? Uh, those people who have it now are willing to pay a good stiff price. Maybe fifty, sixty dollars. Well, I'll give you more than they will, the crooks. Whatever that bid is, I'll pay ten dollars more. As high as, say, one hundred dollars. All right. You're the doctor. Goodbye, Doc. <laughs> well, Miss Vinskuda? I just talked to my client, and he says he'll pay $50 for that bed. Oh, but my people won't let him take it for that. They'll give 60 60 is a nice price. But this fellow so is no cheapskate. He says 70 My clients are just as stubborn as yours. We say 75 I'm sorry, but my man will top their offer 85 Well, Freddy's got us licked. Too bad. They'll be disappointed. Well, you can send your truck over to pick up the bed whenever you want to. Oh, I don't have to do that. Hey, Frank! Make up Mars and come in here. George Washington's bed rides again. <laughs> careful, boys. Put it down easy. There you are, Mr. Gildingsleeve. Safely and soundly. Yes, well, thank you very much, Lee Sam. <laughs> now, if you and your men will wait outside for just a moment. Yeah, precisely. Come on, boys. Uh, at last, Leroy. Gee, which knob is it, Uncle? Yeah, the left front one. Ah, I've got it. Here's something. By George, it's the missing pearls. Boy, what a relief. Say, now that you have the jewels, what are you going to do with the bed? Maybe Mr. Schlepperman will buy it back. Oh, that's silly, Leroy. He, he just went to an awful lot of trouble persuading somebody to let me have it. Say, I've got to thank him about that. Well, uh, Sam, it, I want you to know that I appreciate all the trouble you've gone through to get this bed back for me. Uh, thanks very much. Oh, yeah, don't mention it. It was a mere trifle, on a big scale, of course. Yes. I was really up against a determined woman. For a little while, it looked like I'd have to kidnap it. Uh, kidnap it? Is that so? Well, I wonder if she still wants the bed. Oh, yes. Why, if I walked into her place right now with that bed, she'd cover me with kisses. Heavens forbid. <laughs> well, in that case, why not let her have it? Excuse me, I don't think I heard you right. 
Did you say let her have it? Yes, I didn't realize she wanted it so badly. I don't want to be so selfish about all this. Well, I'll be a dog in the manger. Yes. After all, I've been through, too. Guilty? If you sell it again, what will Marjorie say when she finds out? Oh, don't worry. That's all fixed. Someone has found a bed that'll make her forget all about this one. Well, that's fine. I'll take it back to the other party. Yeah? Oh, Frank! Oh, Morris! Yes, boss? What is it, Tammy? What I want? Go get the bed and put it on the truck again. But we're taking it apart and put it together four times already. I'm getting tired. <laughs> Say, what do you want me to do? Install zippers? Install <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm sorry to give you all this trouble, Slepperman. What trouble? This is a dandy bed. I've done more business with this one single article this week than I have with all the rest of my stock put together. <laughs> Miss Van Schooler, I've got a surprise for you. Who is it? Oh, Mr. Supplement, what is it? Do you remember that lovely George Washington flute bed? Well, I had to talk myself blue in the face, but I got it back for you. You did? Oh, you little dear, I could kiss you. Oh, please, please, I'm a married man. <laughs> and do you want the bed? Oh, yes. Then everything is peaches down in Florida. You mean in Georgia? Ever been to Florida? Oh, Frank! Oh, Morris! In again! Oh, there it is. Won't Marjorie Forrester be pleased when she gets this bed? Why, yes, of course. Uh, what? Are you giving this bed to Marjorie Forrester? Oh, no. Oh, that's good. I'm not giving it to her. Her uncle, Mr. Gildersleeve, is. You don't mean by any chance Trotmorton P. Gildersleeve? <laughs> a large, deep man with a thick voice. Why, yes. Are you a friend of his? Speaking strictly from the past, yes. <laughs> Well, the next time I see him, I'll tell him I met you. I don't think that'll be necessary. <laughs> He'll know it. Well, goodbye, Miss Van Scooter. And if you don't see, if I don't see you again, don't take any more wooden beds. <laughs> Oh, it's been a lovely day, hasn't it, Leroy? Yeah, makes a man glad that he's alive. Yeah. Anything happen while we were out, Bertie? Nothing, only that Van Scudder lady's in Miss Marge's bedroom with some furniture. Huh? Hmm. Wouldn't let me get anywhere near it. Claims it to be a surprise for you. Oh, yes, the new bed. Well, I'm anxious to see it, Bertie. She says it's going to bowl me over. Dear, maybe it's all ready now. Come on, huh? All right, come along, Bertie. Yes, sir. Making so much fuss over that bed, you'd think George Washington slept in it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, just a second. It's almost ready. There. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, yes? I want you to see the room properly. Ready? Uh, this better be good. Yes, I'm ready. Close your eyes. Yes. Now, I'll count three, and then you can open them. One, two, three. Well, it's very... <laughs> I don't get it, lady. Don't get what? This room looks just like it did before. I know, but the bed. That's the one I had so much trouble buying for you. But that's... Oh, my. Yes, that's the same bed that was there in the first place. Oh, no. I picked this bed up at a tremendous bargain, $150. Oh, great jumping jeeps, $150. But, but it's absolutely authentic. George Washington slept in it. Oh! <laughs> 
dear. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. Calm down, Uncle. Yes. After all, you got back Marjorie's valuable pearls. Yes. What's all this talk about Miss Marjorie's valuable pearls? There's nothing but imitation pearls. What? No, that makes it all the worse. I'm getting dizzy. Leroy, bring me a chair. Come on, here. Sit down on the bed, Uncle. Yeah. Yeah, let me help you over. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, if... What's this big lump under the bedspread? Morris, you get out of here. Huh? All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, our president will soon reach his 60th birthday. We can all help him celebrate... We can show him our deep regard and affection by contributing to a cause that's very close to his heart, your local fight infantile paralysis campaign. Let's all say happy birthday, Mr. Roosevelt, by aiding the fight against this enemy of our children. Good night. by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to be with us again next week at the same time for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.